So please turn with me in your Bible to the Old Testament, to the book of 1 Samuel, that we are in this section and within 1 Samuel that is, is focusing on the, the Ark of the Covenant. Now, one of the commentaries that I looked at called this a, a section on archaeology with a, a K, that this is the, the study of the, the Ark of God representing the, the holy presence of God in the midst of the people. And you remember what happened that in chapter 4, Israel went out to battle against the, the Philistines, uh, and that battle is an act of judgment on the unbelief and the, the sins of his own people, especially in the, that was the center of worship at this period, was destroyed. And the Ark of God was brought into captivity in Babylon. Sorry, not in Babylon, but uh, in, in Philistia. And it's since pointing forward to captivity in Babylon later of God's people. But here is the, the Ark then it brought into the, the temple of Dagon in uh, the home of the Philistines. And we saw last week how God goes on to defeat one enemy after another. That, that God may use us, but he's not de dependent on, uh, on the people of two. Plague, but we don't know exactly what it was, but people were dying. People began to connect to this presence of Israel's God in their midst as the, the source of the, the affliction that was coming upon them. And so that's where we, we pick up in chapter 6 today. So today I'm going to read 1 Samuel chapter 6 from verse 1 through chapter 7 verse 2. The ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. And the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners and said, What shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us with what we shall send it to its place. They said, If you send away the ark of the God of Israel, do not send it empty, but by all means return it with a guilt offering. Then you will be healed, and it will be known to you why his hand does not turn away from you. And they said, What is the guilt offering now that we shall return to him? They answered, Five golden tumors and five golden mice, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines. For the same plague was on all of you and on your lords. So you must make images of your tumors and images of your mice that ravage the land and give glory to the God of Israel. Perhaps he will lighten his hand from off you and your gods and your land. Why should you harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts after he had dealt away from them? And take the ark at its side the figures of gold, which you are returning to him as a guilt offering. Then send it off and let it go its way, and watch. If it goes up on the way to its own land, to Beth Shemesh, then it is he 
who has done this, done us this great harm. But if not, then we shall know that it is not um, his hand that struck us. It happened to us by coincidence. The men did so and took two milk cows and yoked them to the cart and shut up their calves at home. And they put the ark of the Lord on the cart and the box with the golden mice and the images of their tumors. And the cows went straight in the direction of Beth Shemesh, along one highway, lowing as they went. They turned neither to the right nor to the left, and the lords of the Philistines went after them as far as the border of Beth Shemesh. Now, the people of Beth Shemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley. And when they lifted up their eyes and saw the ark, they rejoiced to see it. The cart came into the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh and stopped there. A great stone was there. And they split up the wood of the cart and offered the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. And the Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the box that was beside it, in which were the golden figures, and set them upon the great stone. And the men of Beth Shemesh offered burnt offerings and sacrificed sacrifices on that day to the Lord. Then the, Lord, the five lords of the Philistines saw it. They returned that day to Ekron. These are the, the golden images that the Philistines returned as a guilt offering to the Lord. One for Ashdod, one for Gaza, one for Ashkelon, one for Gath, one for Ekron, and the golden mice, according to the number of all the cities of the Philistines belonging to the five lords, both fortified cities and unwalled villages. The great stone beside which they set down the ark of the Lord is a witness to this day in the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh. And he struck some of the men of Beth Shemesh because they looked upon the ark of the Lord. He struck 70 men of them, and the people mourned because the Lord had struck the people with a great blow. Then the men of Beth Shemesh said, Who is able to stand before the Lord, this holy God? And to whom shall he go up away from us? So they sent messengers to the inhabitants of kiriath Jerim, saying, The Philistines have returned to the ark of the Lord. Come down and take it up to you. And the men of kiriath Jerim came and took up the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab on the hill. And they consecrated his son, Eleazar, to have charge of the ark of the Lord. From the day that the ark was lodged at kiriath Jerim, a long time passed, some 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, who can stand before this holy God that that we come today worshiping this holy God. We come proclaiming your word, 
And so, Father, we pray that, that you would guide our hearts to you, that, that we would not send you away from us, but that we would fall before you in repentance and faith with, with boldness and access that we have through Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. <coughs> In the 1600s, a Puritan pastor wrote a a book, and it was really a a series of sermons called The Almost Christian. And the the theme of the the series was that you can get very close to the things of God, that you can be very close to the truth and then miss what is most important, that you can go to church, or you can read your Bible, or you can go through the the outward forms of religious exercise, that you can be an almost Christian, but then fall short to, to not see what it actually is to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And in a sense, that's what we see on this text. We see people coming very close to the truth, but then missing what is most important. And so that's our main idea today that we're going to unpack, that you can come very close to the truth while missing what is most important. And then we see two examples of that in our text. So the first example is the the Philistines, that they came very close to the truth while missing what is most important important. And you can see what what happened to them in chapter 6. This terrible plague was on the land, and they were languishing because of the rodents, the mice, the tumors, the death, the destruction in their midst. But then there's an interesting note in verse 1 that they they kept the ark of the Lord for seven months in their land. Um, Even though the plague had broken out immediately, that it, it shows their their hardness of heart, that they were unwilling to act sooner to send the ark out of the land. But then look at what they say in verse 2 of chapter 6. The Philistines called for the priests and the diviners and said, What shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us with what we shall send it to its place. And so they have a, a major problem. In chapter 5, it was the the lords of the Philistines, the political leaders who were moving the ark from one location to another. But now they finally consult the the theologians, the the religious experts of the the Philistines. They're called the the diviners, the priests. It was forbidden for Israel to consult with diviners from, from other religions. And this is an interesting window into pagan religion of that time. This is the the longest section of dialogue from Philistines in the Bible. And it's one of the longest sections of of dialogue from pagan religious leaders in the Bible. And we understand how they think, how they're processing this event that happened to them. So they ask, what shall we do with the Ark of the Lord? And so you see in verse 3 that these religious leaders say, you should send the ark of the Lord away, but be sure to send it with a guilt offering. 
And maybe they understood a little, they get the idea of making five golden tumors, five golden mice for the five cities of the Philistines. Uh, they were, in a sense, a, a collection of city-states with rulers in each city. And you, I would love to, to be the, the craftsman who gets the order for five golden tumors and five golden mice. And it was a, a form of, of ancient magic that if you wanted to get rid of something terrible in your midst, that you could make an image of that thing, carry it out of your land, and you would remove the, the evil from your midst. So you can see even their, their superstition built into this, thinking that somehow this could pacify and turn away the wrath of Yahweh, that he would be pleased with golden tumors and golden mices, unclean animals, uh, and unclean um, malady of the body. But yet, this is their, their scheme. And then they say something very fascinating in, in verse 5. Look there in your Bible. It says, they say, So you must make images of your tumors and images of your mice that ravage the land, and give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel. So there, there's this, this insight. They're saying, give glory to the God of Israel, that, that even these practitioners of, of pagan religion are recognizing the glory to the people of Egypt. That when, And he afflicted them with, with terrible plagues, and Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, hardened his heart against Yahweh, and it was a terrible thing for the land of Egypt. And so they say, let's not follow the same path. Let's send it away before our land is destroyed. And so there's this remarkable awareness of what we have recorded in biblical history, the, the historic events of God's work. But then there's this also funny admission in verse 7 to 11 uh, that they, these religious leaders are not 100% sure that they recognize the, the difference between a natural occurrence and a supernatural occurrence. Or sometimes you hear people talk about correlation and causation. So they see a correlation between the, the presence of the Ark of the Covenant in their land and this terrible plague, but they're, they're still not 100% sure whether there is a causal connection between the two. Maybe it was chance. Maybe this happened to us by accident. And so we need some way to, to test to make sure that this is really from the hand of Yahweh and not just bad luck. And so they suggest that they build a, a brand new cart and they put the Ark of the Covenant on the cart, which again, in the law of God, it says that you shouldn't put the Ark on a cart, but it should be carried on poles. Uh, so they are not aware of how to properly transport the ark. But then they say that you should take two milk cows that have never been yoked together and put them together. And actually, I wouldn't have understood this part as well if I hadn't been reading the little house books to my daughters recently. That we were reading the, the, the second book uh, by Laura Ingalls called Farmer Boy. And he was tasked with training the calves together on the yoke, that, that he would put the yoke on the calves and they would just wander all around. They couldn't go on a straight line. And so it was his job to train them to go in a straight line together. And until reading that, I didn't realize that, one, that the calves had to be trained together from a young age. And you couldn't just switch out another calf, that they had to be trained together as a yoke to move 
uh, as, as one unit in a straight line. And so they say, okay, get two milk cows that have never been yoked together, so they're going to pull against one another and probably go in circles. And they said, take them away from their calves because their instinct is going to want to, to, be, to return to their offspring. And so we'll know if they head straight for Israel in a straight line that this is an act of Yahweh, the God of Israel. But if they go in circles or they head back to their offspring, then you'll know that this was chance. It wasn't from any kind of divine, supernatural, spiritual force. And so we'll cover our bases in case we're wrong. So what do we make of this advice of the, the religious leaders of the Philistines? Well, remember the, the thesis for our time today that, that you can come very close to the truth while missing what is most important. So you can see two ways that they came very close to the truth. They came close to the truth because they believed in the existence of Yahweh. Now, in one sense, that's not surprising. They believed in the existence of many gods of different lands. But they had a, a supernatural worldview. They, they believed that there was a, a personal existence of the God of Israel. And they were wise enough to distinguish between natural and supernatural events, but yet they saw a connection between invisible, unseen reality and the visible world and what is happening in day-to-day -day life. And in this way, they were ahead of many secular materialists in the world that we see today. That in terms of an understanding of the world, most people in the world today and most people throughout human history have believed intuitively in a physical realm and a spiritual realm, and they believe that there was connection and interplay between the two. And it's really the, the, the modern secular materialist who is the, the odd man out, who, who deny the existence of, of the spiritual and the supernatural, who deny the existence of God. But yet, even though they, they misunderstand who Yahweh, the God of Israel, is, they believe in Yahweh. They believe in a, a spiritual reality. So they're very close to the truth in that area. But then also they came very close to the truth because they believed in the, the power and wrath of Yahweh. They remembered the, the wrath of Yahweh poured out on the Egyptians. They, they remembered what God has done, and they had seen the, the work of, of Yahweh bringing judgment on their, their own land. And in that way, they're ahead of, of many modern Protestants who believe that, that God has, has no justice, that he has no holiness, that, that he is not displeased with, with sin, that, that we can live any way that, that we want, that God is going to accept us no matter what. Uh, but they, they recognize that, no, there, there is justice. There is the, the, such a thing as the wrath of, of God. And in a sense, you see that, that, that wrath of God displayed preeminently in the cross. That that's why Jesus died. He, he died taking the holy wrath of God against sin, bearing it in himself so that we can be forgiven and accepted. So again, they came very close to the truth. 
But then at the same time, they miss what is most important, that they, they miss the exclusivity of Yahweh. They believed in the existence of Yahweh, but they thought that he was one God among many, instead of being the creator of, of heaven and earth who made all things. The one who said, I am God, and besides me there is no other. And in this way, many today can follow this, this same path. I remember having many conversations with other students when I was at art school, and, and basically all of the art students would think everything is true, that all religions are true, all spiritual reality is true. So Christianity is true, Jesus is true, but so is every other religious system, that God is a mountain and there are many paths to that mountain. It doesn't matter which, which path you take. In a sense, that was the, the religious worldview of the Philistines, believing in, in many gods, coming so close to see spiritual reality, but then missing what is most important. But we also said that they believed in the, the wrath of Yahweh, but then they missed the mercy of Yahweh. Because God is he's justice, but he's also mercy, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and faithfulness. And you see all the ways that even Gentiles in the Old Testament were able to experience the mercy of God. Think of Rahab when Joshua was coming in to take possession of the land. That she saw that the wrath knew that her own people, the Canaanites, would be destroyed because of their sin. But then she saw the, the mercy of Yahweh that she asked to be spared when the, the city of Jericho was destroyed. She put the scarlet cord out of her window and, and the Lord ended up bringing her into the covenant community or wrath of Yahweh, but then they repented and sat cloth and ashes and experienced the, the mercy of Yahweh sparing the city. And so there's this, this tragic mistake of the, the Philistines to, instead of, recognizing God as the one true God of the universe. And instead of confessing their sin and falling before him in, in repentance, they, they try to send God away, get rid of him. Like so many in the Gospels who would send Jesus away out of their presence because they didn't want his power displayed in their midst, that they, they came so close to the truth and missed what is most important. But then we see another example of this, because the, the straight without turning all the way to the border of Israel, and they follow it as it goes, and it crosses the border. And just imagine being a farmer in Beth Shemesh. It says that they're gathering in the harvest in the fall, and, and you look up, and here comes this cart with two milk cows pulling the Ark of the Covenant that you think has been lost to the, to the Philistines. And it says that they are excited. They, they see the providence of God bringing the Ark into their midst. They see the, the faithfulness of God keeping his promise to dwell in the midst of his people. And so they take the, the golden mice and the golden tumors and they put them on a rock. And it even notes in the text that this you can go to the rock to this day is a memorial of what God did. 
here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I've come, that they, they raise this, this monument to the Lord's providence and, and faithfulness. And so you can see the ways that they, they came very close to the truth, that they came close to the truth in their excitement, their, their joy, their amazement at the faithfulness and the providence of God. And they came even very close in their desire to offer a sacrifice to Yahweh, that they, they took the milk cows and they killed them as a sacrifice and broke the, the cart apart and burned the sacrifice on the wood. But yet, while coming very close to the truth, even these members of the covenant miss what is most important. That they weren't thinking about the, the very careful commands of Yahweh in the, in the book of Leviticus, chapter 1, verse 3, where he says that you should only offer a male oxen without blemish. But these were, were milk cows. You weren't supposed to offer a, a milk cow to the Lord. They didn't pay attention to the careful warnings in Numbers 4, 19, and 20 about looking on the holy things in the Ark of the Covenant. And so then in their presumption, they go up and they try to open the Ark of the Covenant to look inside to see the, the Ten Commandments written with the very finger of God. Then they experience the, the holy, righteous wrath of Yahweh. And the text says that, that 70 men were struck down. And you may notice in your, in your footnote on that verse that, that it says that most Hebrew manuscripts say struck of the people 70 men, 50,000 men. And so, so, so some manuscripts say only 70 men, and some say 70 men, 50,000 men. And so this has caused a lot of speculation. Maybe it's saying 70 men in Beth Shemesh, 50,000 among the Philistines. Maybe it was a total of 50,070 uh, in Beth Shemesh, who, who fell, uh, which seems improbable considering just archaeological evidence about the, the population of that town. But either way, we get the, the idea that, that in a way there was a, a presumption on the part of the people of Israel, thinking this is our ark, this, is, this belongs to us, that we can look into this box, that we can dishonor the holiness of God even after this, the God has displayed his, his judgment among the people. And then the judgment falls on them. And so then they do exactly what the Philistines did. They say, we need to get this thing out of here as quickly as possible. And look what they say in verse 20. Then the men of Beth Shemesh said, who is able to stand before the Lord? This holy. They, they saw the providence of God, the faithfulness of God. They saw the, the need for I think that it can be the same for us, that, that we can see the providence of God, the faithfulness of God, but then we miss the, the holiness of God. Remember, even recently, we looked at Revelation 4 and 5, and remember how the heavenly host before God cover their face and their feet, crying out day and night, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And that the access that we have in Christ by his blood doesn't diminish our sense of the holiness, but it, but it elevates it. Because that's why the, the death of Jesus was necessary, that if we could just barge our way into the holy place of God based on our own merit, 
well, then we wouldn't have needed the, the death of the Son of God to atone for sin. But because God is so holy that none can stand before him in, in our sinfulness, that, that we see the, the profound need for our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, you can come very close to the truth while missing what is most important. So then the question is, how about you? That where are you today before the Lord? Are you an almost Christian? Are you one who you say, well, I'm a Christian because I believe that God exists? Well, the, the Philistines believe that God exists. Well, I'm a Christian because I, I believe that, that God will hold sinners accountable, that he is a God of wrath. The Philistines believe that. Or I'm a, a Christian because I've seen the faithfulness of God displayed in the world. Well, the, the men of Beth Shemesh saw that. So are we almost Christians? Or do we see the, the mercy of God that the Philistines missed, that, that God so loved the world that he sent his son, that he is a God of justice and mercy, and that justice and mercy meet in Christ, that we have this full orb picture where when we see his holiness, we don't send him away, but we say, no, this is the God that I want, that I'm going to bow before him, clinging, clinging only to his mercy as the grounds of acceptance. Or are we going to be like the men of Bashemesh, missing the holiness of God, thinking that, that God is, is pleased with us because of what we've done or because of our own religious observance, that we can manufacture our own religion based on our imagination, or will we, we look to Scripture, to the holiness of God, to the, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's, it's what we read ultimately in the book of, of Hebrews, chapter 12. And I would invite you to turn there with me as we close. Hebrews, chapter 12. Look with me at verse 28. He says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. This consuming fire that loved us so much that he sent Jesus to suffer and die. That if we turn to him in repentance and faith that we can be accepted in and through him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the, the holiness of this God. That Lord, you are the God who revealed himself in the Old Testament, that you are the God who, who struck down the men of Beth Shemesh, who, who brought judgment on the Philistines. Lord, this is not some Old Testament God, but you are Yahweh, that you are our King. And so, Lord, we pray that you will guard us against being almost Christians, that, that we would see your justice and your mercy, that we would see your your holiness and your love that burns for us. Lord, we, 
We pray that we would not be like the Philistines and the, the men of Bath Shemesh sending you away. But Lord, we say, come, Lord Jesus, be with us, dwell with us, dwell with us as, as our God. Lord, we thank you for the boldness, that the, the access that we have to the throne of grace because of Jesus and what he has done for us on the cross. Lord, let us marvel at it, be amazed at it. Look to you, offer acceptable worship because you are a consuming fire.